Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Um, we're, we're here for part two of a, of a great listener question we had uh, from, that we started last week. Last week, we talked about the backlog of portfolio items and nine to 12 months uh, of work and, and five years beyond that. Um, oh, my what, God, a five-year backlog. Oh. <laughs> what so, are we going to do with that? Delete it, I say. Yeah. <laughs> but before that is having difficult conversations, uh, which, uh, you know, is something that we, you and I tend to come back to these conversation things again and again for some reason. Somehow, yeah, we managed that. But our listener, uh, who was anonymous, by the way, didn't, didn't want us to use his or her name, uh, had a second question. Uh, should I read that out? Yes, please do. Okay, so the second question is, uh, the team were forced to cut corners to meet a deadline that they did not commit to, and this has caused a huge amount of technical debt. The debt never gets dealt with because of the first problem, that's the one about the five-year backlog and getting committed to more and more and uh, so on, uh, but this slows, down th thing, this slows things down further. So the, the first problem means that they get more and more work so they don't deal with the technical debt, and then the technical debt makes them go slower, which makes the first problem worse. So our listener understandably says, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. What can I do to break out of these bad patterns? Yeah. So what was our advice last week, Jeffrey, just to remind our listeners? Because I, I bet we'll be building on that with this second question about cutting corners. So, so for for last week, one of the things we talked about was um, well, fundamentally came down to getting aligned uh, across the team, and importantly, the team was not just the technology team, but it was the senior staff who were committing to work, and really bringing in the person we we called the gold owner, which is the the person who has ultimate PL responsibility um, for this, and and it, so beyond. The, the team and the people who are um, putting demands in. And that might be as, as high up as the, the CEO of the company. Um, it's it, not knowing the structure, it's hard to say, but it would be the person who you know ultimately is um, responsible. Maybe maybe a general manager, um, you know, maybe a, an executive team, um, but s someone who's probably a, 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 at a higher level like like that. And once you can make those topics discussable, once you can discuss things like, uh, hey, our backlog is five years long. Is that really a, is planning for that really an effective use of our time? And we seem to be getting slower um, as a result of all that extra planning and uh, uh, new work coming in. Uh, may, maybe we should stop the madness. Maybe the emperor has no clothes. What, what do you think? Once you can get to that discussion at an appropriate level, then you can start to break out of the bad patterns. So that was our advice last week. But this week, we've, we've uh, got this further problem, which is kind of a, a, a symptom, kind of a, a consequence of the first one, where suddenly, hey, wait a minute, we, we, we did something as a result of this kind of um, tsunami of work coming in. We, we had a deadline we didn't choose, and uh, we've got this um, big uh, extra burden now, which is making the problem worse. What should we do about that? And, and, and this is up to me because you get this sort of vicious cycle where, where you know, the, the, the technical debt is making things slower, uh, which makes uh, more pressure on uh, from the senior staff and probably makes them more firm about setting deadlines, uh, which, you know, probably causes more technical debt. And you can get this this, this terrible pattern. But what stood out to me is about yep. this. Yeah, what 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 is interesting here about to me about this is when I read this, I I was wondering about what kind of technical debt, what kind of corner cutting is going on, because um, sometimes corner cutting can be good, um, but but the corner cutting doesn't necessarily mean uh, having technical debt, and um, so one thing we've talked about in the before is the idea of feature thinning, 
which is we're going to cut corners by doing less, but the things that we do will still be high quality. And, um, and so one of the, the questions here is I wondered how much of this corner cutting that was uh, being done was being done, you know, in coordination with the people who uh, own the deliverables, um, you know, the people who are making the requests. Because in, in, well, I've had great success when you can be collaborating with the business partners to say, look, here's some trade-offs. We can go ahead and, and um, you know, thin this down. So for example, we're going to still let you export your data, but you're not going to have be able to, to choose the file name. You know, mm. so we're going we're gonna to leave out some obvious features. So we're going to give you the simplest version of the thing and it will work, but you won't be able to do all the other things that you would normally expect. That kind of cutting corners, you know, which you know, I think of that sort of deliberate choice of prioritization can be a really powerful tool and, a, and a, a great thing, a great way of reducing scope to meet deadlines. When I hear people talk about cutting corners, then I worry about unilateral decisions made by the development team without involving the business stakeholders. And what was, what was your thought when you uh, heard about this? Well, uh, I, I remember thinking as I first read this when it came in a few weeks ago, that um, I'm, I'm a big fan of cutting corners. And, and you and I might disagree <laughs> with this, Jeffrey. Um, uh, I might even be willing to cut corners in a way that does create technical debt, in a way that um, uh, creates real problems and, and isn't um, scalable or a good solution. We talked a, a few weeks ago, I think, on the podcast about a case where I, uh, I told uh, an organization to return true from their authentication um, uh, routine. <laughs> so every user could, every, every person in the world could log in with any password and they would get in. Now, before our listeners fall off their chairs, the, the um, situation in which that was true would be true is a case where people could read a little data and um, offer something. So the worst that they could possibly do if, if evil hackers got in would be to um, make a, a large number of offers of, of work, um, that, which they, of course, couldn't fulfill. So um, they, they might have um, created a denial of service or something like that. But um, the, the consequence, which was agreed very carefully with the um, uh, uh, people who would be working with the operations team and the customer service team and so on, um, the, the people who, who would be handling that kind of thing, but, but the, those, that, that kind of consequence was very low. And um, it was something they fixed within a few days, but it allowed them to get to users. And um, those users were, were not terribly concerned about authentication. They were concerned about actually making the offers of work that uh, the, the whole marketplace was based on. And uh, that really broke a logjam for them and was an effective way of um, cutting a huge corner, creating a massive technical debt, right? You would never want to uh, carry this debt for very long. But it's kind of like an emergency loan from your bank, back to the debt analogy, which I think it can get um, uh, it, it can be misleading or confusing sometimes when people use this um, inappropriately. But here, I think it applies. Yeah, you know, if I lend you um, a, a large amount of money, uh, actually, there was a case that happened to me once where I needed eighteen thousand pounds for the the um, span of three days, and at that time, eighteen thousand pounds was an awful lot of money to me. I was much younger, and um, I didn't have anything like it. But we were borrowing it for three days against a house that we were about to buy. So there was zero risk for the bank because they knew they were organizing the mortgage and everything, but we, we needed this money for the transition period. And so we were willing to take on that debt, which we could never repay other than by making the transaction happen. But we knew the transaction was happening, and so did the bank. So we paid them a small amount of interest. We um, had the loan for three days. We paid it off immediately when we bought the house, and everything was fine. 
but there would have been no transaction, no mortgage for the bank, and no house for us if we hadn't done that. So I'd, I'd count this as a, an example of a massive corner cut with a massive technical debt agreed with the stakeholders and um, for a defined period which you're going to pay off. The exact opposite of the situation our listener is in. <laughs> Interesting. Hearing your story, Scroll, I would have, you know, and I don't mean to quibble, but it may, it might be interesting for listeners. Is um, I would have said that return true case is much more like feature thinning. Uh, and, and when I think of technical debt, uh, and especially this case where where, where the, the team takes it on unilaterally, and again, you were you have that sort of negotiation with the business about what you're doing, and so it was in that sense, it was a creative solution. Like, hey, we can we can you know we'll get let you log in, but of course it will be. It will be fake. Um, but I think if, when people talk about cutting corners in, in the technical debt side, that what often means is that the, the team feel what they're doing is unsustainable code, that um, they've done things badly, it's not tested, um, they're violating their design principles, things won't scale. Um, you know, So they, they know that they have kind of a cobbled together system that... Um, is is not sustainable that won't won't take them forward and and as a result when they come back to it and work on it again when there's going to be uh a lot of cruft there to deal with so that the next thing that they do will uh add burden whereas having something that in your code that returns true probably doesn't add a lot of overhead it doesn't add a lot of conceptual complexity uh, no, it doesn't. But it's exactly what technical debt is. So I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, you're, you're triggering me here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rant a little bit. The, the <laughs> technical debt, in the original definition, if you go back, to, I think it's on the C3 wiki from Ward Cunningham, if I remember right. Uh, maybe we can find the link. But uh, the original definition of technical debt is by analogy to exactly the kind of financial situation that I was describing, where you might consciously take on the debt and have a plan to pay it off. What a crazy idea! What uh, I think it's come to mean, and, and we have this negative view of debt, right? Debt is a very useful thing, um, and I'm about to buy a, a, a very substantial piece of property, at least I hope I am, and I'm going to go into a huge amount of debt to do it, and I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have the bank there ready to provide the cash, which I don't have. And that sounds like a great arrangement. I'm going to be very happy about that. Debt there is good. But I think we have this um, negative view of debt as if it were all um, uh, unsecured credit card debt at massive interest rates, and therefore we think all debt is terrible. <laughs> and, and I just um, I, I want to defend technical debt to some degree. It's it's actually gone into consciously, dealt with as a as a as a responsible uh, party. It's not a bad thing to do at all, and so I, I would say, yeah, that is um, technical debt, and that's not incompatible with feature thinning, right? Because you're you're going into debt for a while. You're saying, and and we had this analogy last week. We said it's like building a road, and well, I'm going to make the road wider, but I'm going to close a lane for a while. Is everybody okay with having less capacity for a while until I can make the road wider? Similarly, is everybody okay with us uh, having this um, technical challenge, this thing that's um, uh, kind of waiting for us to fix that we're paying interest on, that we're having customer service requests about, that we're having bugs as a result of, and so on? Are we okay with that for a while in order to get a bigger benefit? I think that kind of debt is a good idea. I, I, and and I, this is one of those cases where you and I are going to agree completely. And I think this is in the heart of it is when, when in your scenario and in my scenario is when you're having that explicit conversation and it's sort of like in that case, you're, you're co-signing for a loan. <laughs> you're saying mm, yep. we together, you know, have a, uh, a plan to pay this off. 
But what happens here when the when the, the technical team does this independently, it's more like you know they're 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 taking a credit card advance, but not telling anyone, and 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 uh, so they're taking on debt that's hidden from other people that will will have these ongoing impacts. But uh, um, it's it's not it's not a it's negotiation. There's there's no repayment plan. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's, it's going to be there and and accumulate in an unsustainable way. But but let's try to help our listener because unfortunately our listener um, doesn't have a time machine. I, I suspect and, and and we don't have one. Mine's in the shop. So unfortunately, it seems like we've incurred this um, unsecured credit card debt. It's like when um, uh, some somebody in a in a marriage comes along and says, "You know what, honey? I I I, I borrowed a lot of money, and I didn't tell you about it." That, that's going to mm. be a very difficult conversation. The the, the other party is probably going to be pretty unhappy about it. But um, I suspect we might uh, tell our, our anonymous listener to start there. Is that right, or do you have a different idea about uh, absent a time machine? What what could we do about this uh, pile of debt that we actually have that nobody knows about? Well, it's interesting, but part of it, I think, it's going to get into the details of it. Um, when I've I've often worked with teams where there is technical debt, and one of the things that's unintuitive about it is that uh, very often paying off technical debt can be free in the sense that if these things are, if the debt is slowing you down and that slow pace is baked into your current estimates, that fixing some of it early on can actually have the project go faster. <laughs> and I, I know we've talked in the past about a, a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Paul Julius, who uh, as CTO, um, told his team that they had 50% time, which was that uh, they could spend half of their time paying off technical debt and the other half working on features. And this was a, a, a big shock to people. And, um, and this is a big didn't... expansion on the Google standard, which is like 10% to work on whatever you feel like. This was 50%. Right. And if I know PJ, he would have been riding them very closely to make sure that they were working <laughs> on exactly this debt. Not kind of, oh, yes, let's build a new video game that will be exciting and fun <laughs> for right. us to play. It, it was, um, let's let's deal with this ugly, horrible code that somebody wrote in a, a panic late at night. Yes. And, and one of the outcomes of this was he gave them this policy after they had uh, come up with their committed uh, projects that they had for the, I can't remember if it was a quarter or half year, um, but it, it, I think it was probably a quarter that, that they'd already taken on. Like, this is the work we're, we're committing to. And then it's like, by the way, <laughs> spend half of your time on the technical debt. And then people were shocked because they thought, well, how could that possibly work? But in fact, they finished all the work they'd previously committed to because they save so much time from paying off the technical debt. And, and I'm saying technical debt here in, in an expansive version. It wasn't just code, it was systems as well. So it was about putting automation in around um, uh, delivery and, and deployments and things of that nature. And so by, by improving the system, uh, they were able to uh, recoup their investment very quickly such that they you know, actually you know, were able to deliver all their deadlines. Uh, despite spending the time doing this. So technical debt can be uh, a lot cheaper to pay off uh, uh, than people realize. But it's usually very, very helpful to 
make sure that the rest of the organization knows that you are doing that payoff. So if I know PJ, I'm sure he would have also told people, by the way, I'm telling the team to spend 50% of their time here. And the benefit of that is that uh, the, the rest of the organization can then participate in the decision and be aware of what uh, improvements are happening. So that if somebody hears in the, uh, in the lunchroom, um, yeah, I was just uh, fixing this code, they won't think, oh my God, they aren't working on my feature. So the the, the um, communication comes back here that um, it, it's very important to let others know what your intent is. And, and I think we're at an interesting point here because we I, I suspect that what we're saying is something that our 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 listener when they send this in, if we if we look at it from a sort of uh, technical perspective, as far as the bad feedback loops here and the problems of estimating things far out, uh, the the dangers of the uh, adding outsource work that mythical man month, I suspect that they knew all of this already. So I guess what's the, what's the, what do you do when you're in, as a technologist, you already understand all these dynamics. Um, and, and as you said, this is where they said they feel they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They, they, they know what they need to do, but they don't see a way out of it. What, what's, what's different about what we're saying? Because in a sense, we're, we're, we're coming back with pretty, familiar elements in the agile toolkit what's what's different do you think about what we're saying versus what you what you find people in organizations who are frustrated who feel stuck uh, i think the fundamental thing is that we're saying have the difficult conversation make the topic discussable share where your challenge is and um, share what your intent is what you're intending to do and the problem is of course that's very threatening and this doesn't sound like an organization, I'm reading between the lines here from our listener, but this doesn't sound like an organization in which that's prevalent. We haven't, we've got the senior staff off committing to work, um, uh, uh, imposing deadlines, making promises. Uh, that, that's certainly not modeling uh, what we're describing. So you have to be the first person, dear listener, to uh, address that. You have to be the first one to violate the norm and perhaps create a new norm. And uh, that's threatening. That, that may not work out. We're not promising that that will suddenly make everything better and uh, the, the whole organization will suddenly begin functioning differently. But uh, the alternative is uh, being stuck between this rock and this hard place. So um, <laughs> if you were to deal with the, the, the fundamental problem of uh, um, communication and trust and um, uh, uh, interaction with these uh, external forces that currently seem um, unchangeable, that then I think you would find either that they really are unchangeable, in, in which case you, you were screwed anyway, or the, the uh, <laughs> situation is changeable. There is something that you can do about it. And the good news I have is that um, 80, 90 percent of the time, uh, otherwise I, I wouldn't do this in my consulting engagements, uh, the, the uh, success rate is very high, that, that um, things are more changeable than you think they are. And, and I completely agree, and, and that's and that's ultimately what stood out to me. This is the 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 question asked here was, what can I do to break out of these bad patterns? And that I is what uh, one thing that stood out to me. So in a sense, if you looked at just as from the technical side, I can't do anything. I can't have people. I can't have the senior stakeholders. I can't make them stop committing to more work. I can't make them not want to outsource. I can't make them to stop asking. For these estimates so there's a lot of things here that you know you say like the world would be better if it were different but i'm sorry but you you have the world you have and suffering comes from arguing with reality what you can do 
is is have these conversations and find out if as a group as a as a team you're that and i'm here bringing in these senior stakeholders and gold owners if as an organization you're willing to have the conversations about uh, where you really are but what's really possible can we deal in reality and if you're able to do that uh, then either you can move towards much better dynamics you know uh, improved actual teamwork between all the different participants you can get to 50 percent time as with pj exactly you 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 may come up with all these improvements in the relationships and better dynamics and that's the that's the payoff and you can do it that's wonderful and if not if you if that's not possible then at least you've learned that at least you've learned it and you've done what you can and then you know we're kind of at that classic line from the early days of agile you know you're in a situation of you know change your organization or change your organization that's that's what you can do yep and you don't have to stay there. Our, our listener did refer to a tight labor market, so there's other opportunities. But I wouldn't give up. I think there's plenty of opportunity here. For example, you have senior stakeholders who care enough to continue to make promises on your behalf. There, there's, there's some motivation here. There's, there's um, energy and action and, and probably some things that you can do. I, I agree. Um, I agree. And I think a lot of people are too quick to, to, uh, to quit out of bad situations. And, and that's, a, that's a fair choice. If people say, look, I don't want to have these conversations. I want to work in an organization that already has that figured out. I want to you know, go over there. That's, I don't blame people for that. Um, but I think it can be really fun and really rewarding to work through these issues um, in an organization and to feel that you've made, made it better, made the system better. Um, that that's maybe explains why you know, I end up doing this consulting stuff. <laughs> why um, we record but, the podcast every week. Help exactly. you guys to do exactly that. Yeah, but so it may be challenging, but I think there's there's great possible rewards both as an organization and and personally. A level of satisfaction you get when you're able to to uh, change the dynamics in the organization can be uh, tremendous payoff. So I think it's it's worth the risk. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, I think we've uh, filled the ears of our anonymous uh, questioner. Uh, very happy to hear from him or her again uh, with follow-up questions and from all of you. Do you disagree with us? Do you think that uh, our recommendations are all wet, that this would never work? Maybe it wouldn't work in your organization. You've tried it. It didn't work. We, we'd sure like to hear disagreement and agreement from, from any of you. Uh, the way to do that, of course, is to go to agileconversations.com. There you can find um, videos uh, that you can get of us um, for free and um, our email and Twitter and, I don't know, uh, Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp. I don't know what things we'll have by the time you listen to this. But uh, <laughs> you can find us in lots of different ways, and we'd really like to hear from you. And, of course, the other way uh, to hear from us is to come back next Wednesday when we'll have, we hope, lots more from listeners and guests and, and other fun folks. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, girl. <laughs>